Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Christopher, I'm told, uh, Wednesday night, he was talking about how Trump is going to be in town next Saturday night. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to get political, but I want to discourage you from going to this, this thing with Trump because Leif will be here, okay? That's the only reason. So, uh, but Leif's going to be with us at 6 o'clock next Saturday night and then again Sunday morning. And this is the beginning of our missions emphasis uh, this weekend, and Leif is going to be speaking next week and be praying about what the Lord would have you to do uh, in regards to missions. And uh, it's going to be good to have Leif back. We haven't had Leif here in, in a number of years. And uh, those of you that were around when Leif was coming in and out, man, we had a tremendous move of God back in 08, 09, 10, uh, 07. The, uh, Rene Norgard got out of a wheelchair uh, when Leif was here, and being the discerning pastor that I am, I thought, we ought to have him back. And uh, before he even arrived, through a phone call, man, revival hit. And, uh, and I, just, I do really sense, I, I'm not trying to hype something. Well, I am a little bit. I'm a pastor. But uh, I do feel like the, there's an impartation for us as a congregation, and not so much uh, revival per se, uh, that's great. God, I, I believe, you know, God always uses life. He's, he's got a real touch of the Lord on his life. But I believe that something in regards to missions that God has for us this year. And uh, even Thursday morning was in prayer. Some of you were here uh, on Thursday morning. I, man, the Lord really ministered to me. And I know many of you that were here. And uh, the Lord showed me some things that I believe are connected to that. And uh, I've just been praying into that this, these last few days, asking the Lord, God, do you want me to share that with the congregation? And we'll see by the time I'm done, uh, if the Lord does. But uh, I really do believe the Lord has an impartation for us. Uh, it was a number of years ago, Leif was here for the uh, missions convention, and uh, he had had this word about a Moravian missions call on this church. And uh, man, when he said that, it, it hit me. It hooked my heart, and that whole thing has just come back to me, and I believe the Lord is stirring. Uh, the Lord is doing something in our midst, and he wants a harvest out of Heartland to bring in a harvest. And so uh, I want you to be praying how you can give and go. Some of you, your giving is literally you going. And some of you, how can they go unless they're sent uh, we're, we're here to fund others. Uh, when Kathy and I met in Bible school, I hung around all the missionaries, all the mission students, and I was kind of a wannabe. Hung around all these Latinos that were going to the nations, and I was this gringo, uh, and I wanted to go, uh, but the Lord never called me to go permanently, so I just decided many years ago that, Lord, if you haven't called me to go on a permanent basis, then you've called me to fuel the harvest. And so, uh, and so we want to be a sending place. And, and uh, it just may be that the Lord has you in the seat this morning and next week and in this house in this season of your life to plant that missions virus in your life for you to go to the nations. And uh, so let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, I'm asking God that you would, Lord, what I felt Thursday morning, 
Lord, that you'd begin to settle on this place. Lord, that you would impart to us your love for the nations of the earth. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in our midst. We thank you for the words of affirmation from Jerry and Barb this morning. But Lord, you've given to us so we can give away. So Lord, we ask that you would stir that within us. In Jesus' name, amen. The love of God in Scripture is, there are, there are dimensions to the love of God. And we need to understand that because often we can receive one dimension and not realize that there's a progression to the love of God working in our life. When God's love comes to us, it's in one dimension. It, it's in that dimension of God's love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit is to impart to us the love of God. Romans 5, 5 says, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by his spirit. And that it really is one of the primary ministries of the spirit. You can, uh, there's, there's different ways the scriptures talk about that. In Romans 8, Paul says, he calls them the spirit of adoption or the spirit of sonship. And when he comes and sheds that love of God abroad in our heart, when it fills our heart, he causes us to say, Abba, Father. We begin to relate with him as Father. And that, that is a wonderful thing. That is a foundational thing. It's an essential thing. But we need to understand that's just the first phase. That is the foundation, and if you don't have that, and, and sad to say a lot of people have launched out and tried to move in the love of God without ever having to receive the love of God, and then ministry becomes a, a, an identity crisis. It's, it's a way we validate our own identity, and it was never meant to be that. But the fact is, that is just a foundational thing. When the love of God first comes to us, and it, and it impacts our life. The second stage or the, 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 uh, the progression of the love of God coming to us with us as the object of God's affection then begins to be we enter into the love of the Father for the Son. And we begin to love him back. Scripture says this, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. That is a, a progression of the love of God. One of the, uh, when, when the love of God first comes to us, we're blown away that he would love us for who we are. When we see the love of God, it begins to reshape our identity. And, and Paul has a lot of writings on that whole facet of the love of God. Ephesians chapter 3, it's one of the great apostolic prayers. If you look at 3.14 to the end of the passage, Paul says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and earth derives its name. And then he goes on, he said, I, I would that you would know the height, depth, width, and breadth of the love of God. And he said, I'm, I'm praying the power of the Spirit would come upon you, but it's not for ministry in that, that context. The power of God is for ministry eventually, but this is a more foundational expression of the power of God. And he said, I'm praying that the power would come on you so that you can comprehend the immensity of God's love. And then he says this, so that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you would know something that's beyond your ability to know. It's a weird phrase. Everybody say it together. I, 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 I want you to know something that you can't know. 
What he's saying is that if you look in the, in the Greek, it, there is a difference between those two. I want you to have an encounter, an experience of the love of God that is beyond your ability to study yourself into. And that experience comes by the spirit of sonship, by the Holy Spirit. One of the primary ministries of the Spirit, you can see this even in Jesus' life, is to shed the love of God abroad in our heart and reveal the Father's love for us. Remember at Jesus' baptism, he goes down in the water, he comes up, the heavens open, the dove descends, and what happens? The Father spoke and said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. That Father's love, that affirmation that begins to settle our identity, even in Jesus' life, that happened before he launched out into ministry. But that encounter with the love of God that begins to settle who we are and shape our identity begins to kick into second gear and it creates this reciprocal response within the human spirit. The wonderful thing about God is that God enables us to do what he calls us to do. We talked about it at the end of the service last week how the grace of God is both to will and to do of his good purpose. God doesn't just tell you to do something. He gives you the want to and then empowers you to do so. It's an amazing thing. And it all comes out of a revelation of who he is. When you see God for who he is, it automatically births the response that he requires from you. And so when we see him for who he is and we see his love for us, we cannot help but love him back. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Now, Scripture goes on to say that if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you are struggling with obedience, the answer is not to white-knuckle it. The answer is to get in that secret place and ask God for a revelation of his love. Because when you see him for who he is and how he loves you, it'll birth within you a, a, a reciprocal response which will create an obedient heart within you. And so our, 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 you know, that thing in us that's prone to wander is really the result of us not having a revelation of his love. We're trying to fill it some other way. And so we need that foundational revelation of the love of God that will birth within us a response towards him. First John, let me read you this verse here. First John, uh, or not First John, John, rather, 1726. I have made known to you known to them. This is Jesus praying to the Father. He's with the disciples. This is just before he's going to the cross. He says, I have made known, made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And so Jesus is saying to the Father, Father, This love that you and I share, this affection, this holy affection that you and I have enjoyed from eternity past, I'm I'm letting them in on this thing. And it creates, it births a love within us for him. And that's that, that beautiful synergy, that beautiful dance we're to live in. Loved by him and loving him back. And so that the first dimension, the first phase of the love of God, and I want to tell you, you can see this, you can read these three dimensions into any passage that you see the the subject of the love of God. 
You can dig this out, and if you begin to look at it from those three perspectives, any passage that speaks about the love of God, you can see this, these, this revelation of God's love. So it starts with God's love for us. We're the object of his affection. It's God's love in us. He's the object of our affection, but he actually births that within us. He gives us a revelation of who he is, and we can't help but love him goes back to what we were talking about last week. If we will get in the secret place and we will spend that time, carve out that time, asking for a revelation of who he is, I'm telling you, God is so faithful to reveal himself. And if you really see him for who he is, you cannot help but love him. You will drop your guard. In that wonderful passage in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul goes on to say, I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I want to give you an experience that you can't study yourself into. You, you come into this encounter where he happens to you, and it begins to get to the root of your identity. He said, I would that you would be rooted and grounded in love. The word grounded is a, is, has the idea of foundations. So he's talking about root systems and foundations being in the love of God. Your roots, the roots of your identity, literally reaching down into the love of God and deriving your, your view of yourself. So you're like the Apostle John. You begin to refer to yourself as the one whom Jesus loved. I'm telling you, this, this is the foundation of it all. When you have a revelation of who he is, so that every time you catch a little glimpse of yourself, you can't help but say, oh, there he is, the one who Jesus loved. You really do need to see yourself through that lens. And until you do, you don't really have the foundation you need to do what God's called you to do and to live life in that stable way. And so we need to pray that great apostolic prayer. God, give me a revelation of your love. Let the power of the Spirit come upon me so I can have a vision of the magnitude of God's love, that I would have an experience of something I can't study myself into. And then he says this, so that you may be filled to the fullness of God. The fullness, the prerequisite of the fullness of God in your life is a revelation of his love. Because without a revelation of his love, you will have your guard up. There will be aspects of your life that you will tell him are off limits. And so what we need is an ongoing revelation again and again of God's great love. And he tears those things down in our life and he invades the recesses of our heart. So the first facet, the first dimension of the love of God in our life is that encounter where we begin to realize how he sees us. But it births within us a new revelation of how we see him and our, our heart is released back to him. And we live in that, that give and take relationship with God, just that love affair. But there is a third dimension and that's where we catch his heart for the nations. It's we catch his heart for what he loves, what he's after. You can see it. You've all seen it, couples that have lived together for a long time and they start looking like each other, you know. They buy the same glasses, they comb their hair the same way, you know. I heard this one preacher, he was, he got up one, one morning and he accidentally put his wife's teeth in, you know. I mean, they were so close that he wore his wife, you know, he preached three times as long that morning. And I'm just, I'm, whoa. I've, man, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, but there's, you know, there's, there's this shared thing. There are things that I'm interested in now I wouldn't have cared less about had I not married Kathy. But because I'm married to her, I care about those things. She'll send me little decorating things. I'll, I'll comment on, oh, that looks nice, Kathy. Send, you know, put a little heart on it. Emoji. Send, you know. If I wasn't married to this woman, I wouldn't even know what that kind of furniture was. But you know why I care about it? Because I love her. And I know she cares about it. And it's the same thing in our relationship with God. As we, as we fall in love with him and as we catch his heart, there becomes this shared value system that we enter in on. And I really believe that God is wanting to do a deeper work in our lives during this season. I don't fully understand what I felt Thursday morning, but I feel like the Lord is wanting to establish something deeper. He's wanting to, he's wanting to impart to us a sacrificial spirit. When we catch his heart, we're willing to give. We're willing to give up things to enter into his heart. And there's, it's one thing to do, you know, make a cognitive decision, and that's, that's a noble thing that we just make a decision. God, I'm going to give, I'm going to go, I'm going to do, I'm going to do these things because I see it in your word that you love those things. But I'm talking about something beyond that. I'm talking about God imparting his heart to us. You ever had the Lord do that where all of a sudden your heart is broken and you find yourself just weeping about people you've never met? I see Brenda out there shaking her head, yes. She launched her ministry out of a vision. She, this was not on her radar, Garden Gate Ranch. She had no, there was no plan. She had her, her you know, the future retirement years where they're just gonna be able to coast into the sunset. And all of a sudden, the Lord invaded and she found herself with a burden for trafficked women. And she couldn't shake it. She'd find herself weeping and giving and going for those women. God wants to infect your heart with what infects his, that mission virus, where he begins to impart his burden to us. And I'm telling you, that's where life really begins to happen. When God begins to put in your heart what's in his I loved what Jerry said this morning. He said, you've got to know, I don't remember how he said it, but you've got to know your lane. What is, what is the thing God's called you to? We can't do everything, but we've got to do something. And we've got to catch God's heart for us and for what he wants to use us in. And when that happens, you'll find yourself weeping over things, laughing over things, doing, moved to do things, giving to things that, you were, that weren't on your radar previously. And that's what God wants to do. There's an old saying that if you don't have something worth dying for, you don't have something worth living for. And God wants to give you something that you would die for. And until you have that, life really is boring. You're just making a check to spend a check to make a check to spend a check to you check out. But what God wants to do is he wants to infect us with something something that you, you are, you're willing to wrap your life around and give your life for. And that is your blood-bought calling. God intends that for every one of us. That's not just for some you know, elite Christians that will go to the mission field. That's for all of us. God wants us to burn for something. Not everybody is called to go to some other country permanently, but everybody's called to burn for something. 
And we need to know that thing. And until you step into that dimension of the love of God, where your heart is captured by what, that facet of his heart that he wants to impart to you, you aren't really living the life God intended. God wants to give you something that is bigger than you to give your life to. And that's what I felt Thursday morning. As we were praying Thursday morning, I, uh, I just began to feel like the Lord was ministering to me all these words we've received over the years about making an impact in the nations and especially through prayer in that morning. And, and I felt like he was saying, don't minimize the impact of your prayers. And as I was praying that, all of a sudden I saw angels coming in the room and I, didn't, I, I did share this, that, but I didn't share this part. I saw them coming with sensors. They had sensors and they were releasing something to us. And I, I was leaning in saying, God, what is this? What, you know, I think of angels ascending and descending. And I, I was thinking of Genesis chapter 28 where they had, there's this place established, a place of an open heaven. And God longs to establish those places all over the earth. And like Jacob who went there and he took a nap and he woke up and he said, God is here and I didn't know it. God longs to have those places where he can bring his servants to rest and they wake up in the presence of God. And God was at the, the top of a ladder and he was speaking Jacob's destiny over him. And that's the purpose of those places where God will gather a group of people to forge an open heaven to drill a hole in the heavens through intercession and worship so that others can come in and hear their destiny and be sent out from there. And so I'm just thinking about this and praying into this and this is an ongoing conversation that the Lord and I have been having for about 25 years. And so we're talking again and to, about this whole thing and then I saw those angels and I know in that passage it says they ascended before they descended, implying that these were angels assigned to that place. But in, when I saw come into this room were angels coming with sensors, but they, uh, so I thought, Lord, why are they coming with something? And as I began to see some other things, I just shared with the intercessors that morning. I said, hey, I just saw angels come into the room, and I, I, they're going to take our prayers, and, and uh, that's all I shared. And Joyce spoke up, and she said, Pastor, just before you talked about the angels, Joyce, where are you at? Wave, so everybody, I say Joyce like everybody knows her. Yeah. <laughs> Joyce Schechter, and so Joyce, uh, Joyce said, Pastor, just before you said that, I saw angels come into the room, and they had sensors, and they were releasing something onto us. And that was the Lord's little kiss to tell me that wasn't just because you didn't have enough coffee this morning. She was seeing the same thing I saw. And then I saw this picture of a human heart, and I saw the Lord reach into this heart, and it was a strange picture, but there was this there was this little black holder that had all these silver bars in a row, neatly stacked in a row. And I knew each one of these bars, they looked like they were uh, plates for printing currency. They were bigger than a dollar bill, but it looked like that's what they were for. And they were about two inches thick, and they were neatly stacked in a row. And the Lord didn't say this, but I knew in my spirit, oh, it's a value system. I knew that each one of these plates represented a value. And I knew that the first plate in the order of importance had this over it, our own safety. 
And the second plate said, his purposes. And I knew that in this house, there's a a, a concern for the purposes of God. God has graciously established that. But I saw the Lord reach into this heart and he picked up the second plate and the first plate and he switched them. And he moved our, our safety, the concern for our safety into the second place and took the concern for his purposes and dropped them into the first place. And I knew it was the Lord's doing. And we can make a decision to surrender that. We can make decisions and say, God, I want that to be my desire. But ultimately, there has to be the cooperation of heaven to free us from our concern for our own lives. But I'm telling you, God is going to do it. And I felt like this was not just a moment. It wasn't like a a thing God was doing in that moment. I felt like he's bringing us into a season. And the spirit of God is going to begin to move in our hearts and hover over us over these next few months. And there's going to be a surgical, uh, uh, with precision, God is going to do something surgically in our hearts. And he's going to begin to remove from us our first concern being our own safety. And we're going to begin to burn for his purposes. The book of Revelation, you're all familiar with that passage. And they overcame him, speaking of the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And then there's that third one we don't talk about as much. They loved not their life unto the death. And when our primary concern is for our own safety, then all the enemy has to do is begin to threaten that and touch that, and it causes us to withdraw from the call. Dan Moeller used to always say it, if you're touchy, you'll get touched. So we got to get over being touchy. And the enemy will begin to threaten those things. And there's a lot of fear in the body of Christ right now because of things that are going on in the globe. And there's, there's things that are going in directions that you and I would not have chosen. And the enemy is trying to leverage that with fear. But I'm telling you, the Lord has his preemptive strike. And he's going to release the love of God over us as a people. And I don't believe it's just for us. I believe there's something God's going to do with his global church. He's going to step in with a preemptive strike of the love of God. I believe the coming move is going to carry with it that dimension of his love for us, his love in us, back to him. But God's going to push this third dimension and cause us to be so consumed with what moves him that we will choose that over our own safety. And that is a supernatural thing. And I don't know about you, but I want that in my life. There's times where I've touched that like many of you. I don't claim to live there, but I've touched that. And it's a holy thing. And when you can step into that, when you step into his heart, and what burns in his heart burns in you to the point where you're saying, God, you can take it all. Just use me. Lord, spend me well. When you touch that, that's when you know this is what I was made for. And God is inviting us into that third dimension of the love of God. He wants to impart to us his heart that will literally break us 
for the nations. Some of you, it's for regional things. And you, you're doing good things, you have a burden for things, but I'm telling you, God wants to release to you his heart to the point it will break you, it will reshape you. I'm reminded of what the Lord told me when I first became the pastor of this church 19 and a half years ago. One of the first things he told me is he said, David, if your vision, your burden for this church doesn't change you, don't expect it to change anyone else. If it doesn't get you up early and keep you up late and cause you to push yourself away from the dinner table and spend time with me, don't expect it to transform anybody else. God wants to start something in you that will affect others. But it's first got to change you before he'll use you to change the world. And I, I do have a sense that God is, I, I do believe that God's going to do something when Leif is here. I believe there's a, an impartation for us and I'm praying for that. If it doesn't, if that's not the weekend, that's fine. But I'm telling you, God is, God's hand is reaching into the heart of Heartland and he is restructuring our value system. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and I want to pray over you this morning. I know it's, it's, eight, it's eight minutes till. This is a miracle. We believe. We, we did skip one song this morning. It was, this is a house of miracles. And this is the proof that we're, we're landing this early. But I do want to pray for you this morning. And I want us to enter into a, a place of his holiness and posture our heart. We're going to surrender to his purposes this morning. Some of you, even when I say that, there's a little bit of fear in your heart, like, whoa, man, I, I know God takes this stuff seriously. You're exactly right. And if there's fear in your heart to do this, then you need a revelation of his great love. Because when he, you see how much he loves you, when you see what he gave up for you, you won't have any problem giving up all for him. Father, Lord, we thank you for your great sacrifice. Lord, that you freely gave your son. And Jesus, we thank you that no one took your life. Freely you gave it. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you give us the love of God. Lord, I'm asking God that you would release a greater revelation in this house. Holy Spirit, we invite you to begin to do a deeper work. Work in us deeper. And Lord, I ask God that you would impart to us a new value system where our primary concern is for your purposes. Lord, that we hand you a blank check and trust you to fill out the sum. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we say yes. We say yes. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Moravian story. I, I mentioned it earlier where Leif had said a number of years ago, he, it was after a, after a service on a Saturday night, and Leif told me, he said, I, I feel like there's a Moravian missions call on this church. The Moravians began to send out missionaries before William Carey, a whole generation before him. William Carey is looked at as the father of modern missions, but the Moravians were doing it first. Matter of fact, it was the Moravians that influenced John Wesley. John Wesley was a missionary before he was saved. But he came in contact with some Moravians in a storm on the open sea, and he was terrified he was gonna die. And so what he did is he went to these Moravians on the ship because he saw them singing and so happy. And he said, What's, you know, aren't you afraid? They said, brother, is your soul not right with God? And he realized it wasn't. The Moravians started out as refugees from persecution. Count Zinzendorf was a very wealthy count. But custom at that time in the Lutheran church was because of his aristocratic position, he couldn't become a pastor. So he dedicated his fortune and his influence to making a place for these refugees. And they were a very contentious bunch. They grew to about 300 strong, and they were very contentious. And he would preach to them and tell them to get things right. Well, a little move of God broke out among the children. The kids began to get hit by the power of God at night. They would, this one little girl lost her mom and she prayed through for three nights in a row. She was about nine years old, if I remember the story right. And she came into this glorious ecstasy filled with the joy of the Lord and word got out and other children began to be touched by God and it began to pull the parents in and they began to ha- take communion and this move of God began to move. It was, they called it a baptism of love. The catalyst for the Moravian movement was a baptism of love. And out of that came two things. A 100-year prayer meeting that was unbroken for 100 years. Night and day, 24-7. They, they were the original IHOP. And they prayed this thing through for 100 years. And then they started sending missionaries out. And the most famous story... I, I forget the two names of these, these two individuals. One was a carpenter and the other, uh, I believe, was a farmer. And they wanted to go to the West Indies to this slave island. And they wanted to go and minister to the slaves on that island. And the slave owners wouldn't allow them there. So what they did is they decided to sell themselves into slavery. So they sold, their li- they sold themselves as slaves so they could a- have access and live among these slaves. And at first, all the Moravians tried to encourage them not to go. They, they told them, this is not God, this, you know, you're, you're overzealous, this isn't the Lord. But there was one lady who began to recognize that this was God. And over time, many people got behind them. And some of you are familiar with the song Christopher wrote many years ago. May the lamb receive the rewards of his suffering. That wasn't original with Christopher. He wrote the song, but that cry was the Moravian battle cry. Because when those two men were pushed out to sea to get on the ship that was going to take them into slavery for the rest of their life, their, their loved ones, many of the Moravian missionaries, they would build their own casket because they knew we'll never see our family again. We don't want to burden them. They'd take their casket with them to the mission field. 
It was their way of saying, we're in this thing for life. It came out of a baptism of love and a hundred year prayer meeting. And I believe the Lord wants to start another missionary movement. I don't believe Heartland's the only one by any means. I believe what we're going to see in the coming days are going to be sacrificial believers who will step up and give it all. But what has to burn in our heart is that the same thing that burned in those men's heart. They said as they pushed them out to sea, they yelled back to the shoreline. They said, may the lamb receive the rewards of his suffering. And you can imagine the people on the shore were weeping and wailing. They knew this is the last time we'll see our friends. And they would yell it back to him. May the lamb receive the rewards of his suffering. And they kept yelling it back and forth until they were out of one another's earshot. That kind of sacrifice, that kind of giving is, is superhuman. It's supernatural. But it's that third phase of the love of God, that third dimension where we become infected, consumed with what consumes him. I just ate up the eight minutes. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God. And Lord, we, we just dedicate these next weeks, Lord, that you would move upon us. Lord, that you would brood over us and go deeper, Father. We're asking, Lord, that you would have your way. Accomplish what you want to accomplish. Spend us well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.